Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Is a wider Middle East war involving Syria, is uh, Hezbollah and uh, in Lebanon, and perhaps other actors possible uh, challenging Israel, may Israel be fighting on a, a sort of a, a three-front reality? Might that eventually draw in the United States and other allies of Israel already supporting Ukraine and its war with Russia? Would Canada have a role of any kind? This is getting really scary, eh? I don't want to frighten you too much. I'd like some context to this. By the way, simultaneously, Canadian Armed Forces members are relying on charity to supplement food and housing costs. That's a disgrace. My guest, and we're always uh, honored to have him with us, is Vice Admiral Mark Norman, uh, former Chief of Staff of the Defense, um, Vice Chief of Staff of the Defense Staff, and Commander of the Royal Canadian Navy. I get nervous when I talk to admirals. I was an ordinary seaman standard, Admiral Norman. I get nervous. You make me nervous. <laughs> well, I don't mean to do that, Roy. Uh, hopefully we can we can work through that. We, yeah. We've talked enough. I hope so. Good afternoon to Good you, afternoon. listeners. Yeah, thanks so much for taking the time. Let me ask you this uh, about Hamas brutality, the brutality of its attack last Saturday. Did that surprise you, the attack itself and their tactics? And what does this signal to you? This has to be more than a one-time assault by a terror group. Yeah, well, it, I'm, like many people, um, I was shocked uh, both that it happened, but in terms of the nature of the attack, it was um, very well choreographed. Um, very well planned and uh, as uh, brutally executed, it, w- it was actually well executed from a, a coordination perspective. So I think that caught a lot of people um, by surprise, including the Israelis themselves. And I think it, it is a reflection uh, of the fact that uh, this is not like other terrorist organizations that um, the West has dealt with over the last several years. There's, this is more structured. It's more hierarchical. It's integrated with um, the, the government itself um, in uh, in Gaza, the occupied territory. And so it's kind of a, it's a bit of a hybrid. Um, and, and that makes it uh, that much more challenging. So we, we can't treat it in the way that other terrorist threats have been treated over the last uh, 10 to 20 years. Admiral Norman, how do you respond to this kind of situation, and this situation in particular, when you've got so many people in Gaza, civilians, who Hamas is trying to keep there, doesn't want to let them leave, and uh, and, and they could be in the line of fire. And I'm, I'm thinking about uh, conventional warfare. It's not as, it's not as easy as uh, two armies siding, uh, you know, up against each other, which has been the traditional response. Now there's the issue of urban warfare. That's becoming, I think, more of a concern. But uh, share with us, please, your thoughts. And Israel does have to respond with full military engagement. They, they need to go and get Hamas. Huh? What are the complications that you see? Yeah, well, you've touched on a few of them already. I mean, first of all, let's look at this uh, from the perspective of um, this, this is Hamas's home turf. Um, they're, they're dug in. They're rooted in. Uh, they have an extensive network of tunnels. They'll have their own infrastructure uh, designed to support uh, their interests. Um, the community itself, although 
Uh, not everybody is going to be supportive of uh, Hamas directly. The reality is that they'll have enough supporters uh, in the city that uh, they they uh, they'll be able to find refuge wherever they choose to. Um, and uh, Israel hasn't been in there in any significant way for well, probably a couple decades now, at least. And uh, this is not ideal territory for, um, as you described, for what are traditionally formed um, units uh, of armies. And this is why, over the last little while, the the responses to previous attacks have typically been airborne, uh, bombings, missile attacks, those kinds of things. So the idea of going into a, a densely populated city controlled by your enemy uh, in order to root out your enemy um, while you have to take care to uh, minimize the casualties to the civilian population. I mean, this is this is a very, very difficult problem. And I think that's partly why um, we, we haven't seen any uh, movement into the city yet, because I think the Israelis are legitimately um, um, kind of scratching their heads to some respect as to how they're going to do this. And what is their actual goal? The stated goal of... Um, destroying Hamas, okay, fine. I think everybody understands that. But in practical terms, uh, that's easier said than done. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see a lot over the next uh, days and weeks and months, more than likely. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are about the possibility of this becoming uh, the prospects of this becoming a wider war developing in the days and weeks ahead, particularly if an Israeli ground attack into Gaza causes many civilian Palestinian casualties. Do we then see Hezbollah moving south from Lebanon? Do we see Syria getting involved? Uh, What are your concerns about this potentially becoming a a wider war in the Middle East with Israel fighting on three fronts? Well, I think the risks you've described are are valid, and I'll just uh, discuss those briefly. what I suspect we're going to see is obviously the broader world will be watching uh, what Israel does very carefully. But uh, those those um, entities, those other terrorist and militant entities uh, in the region will be also watching very carefully to see whether there's a, an opportunity for them or whether they feel that uh, Israel has uh, gone too far, whatever motivation they'll be seeking. Um, it is a concern. It, it's, uh, you know, Hezbollah, um, it, it, as for the moment, seems to be, um, although they're, they're not being completely silent or, or inactive, uh, they haven't done anything uh, significant up to this point, but that doesn't mean that they may not choose to. Um, and of course, that has broader implications with respect to um, Lebanon. I think Syria, from the state of Syria's perspective, I think is is less likely. But there are a whole bunch of uh, factions within Syria that that are uh, basically proxies for for other interested parties, including Iran, um, that we could see. Um, you know, again, looking for opportunities or exploiting opportunities um, as this this unfolds. So um, it's not a specific answer, but to say uh, everybody's going to watch what Israel does and um, and the, the forces that uh, are obviously um, against Israel are, are going to look for any opportunity they can to either make things worse or to potentially, um, you know, pile on uh, in support of, of their uh, their so-called uh, brothers and sisters. Yeah, uh, I, I don't. Israel. 
I don't want to call them the wild card, but there's also Iran in this picture, and they vow to destroy Israel, and Israel certainly has Iran in its sights. If this situation were to, well, it's a terrible term, mushroom, but I'll use it. Is there the danger of other nations, and I'm thinking particularly of nations aligned with Israel, like the United States, which has a, uh, you know much more about this than I ever will, but has its newest carrier task force off the coast, making a very clear statement. Is there a possibility that, for example, the United States would enter the fray, and then we don't know what would happen after that? Yeah, I think I think we need to... Um, Slow down a bit? Not, well, it's just... You know, uh, there, there's there's not much good that'll come from looking at worst case scenarios, and I don't mean to shut shut down your imagination, but I think it's important for your listeners that we we kind of put this in, in a bit of context. The, the United States has deployed now a second carrier uh, and supporting vessels into the Eastern Med for for the reasons of deterring the kinds of things that you're describing, uh, clearing sending clear signals to. Um, Iran and others in in the region that uh, they're there, they have an interest in being there, and they intend to support Israel. Now, um, as it relates to Iran specifically, my sense, and and I'm not an expert, but my sense is that um, Iran, um, they're they're smart enough and cagey enough to um, get others to fight this battle on their behalf. They're they're going to um, support and bolster uh, proxies um, in in this conflict without um, allowing themselves to be da- drawn directly into a conflict with um, with Israel, um, and and that's kind of the way their playbook is written to some respects. And and I think that the United States are watching that very carefully. I think the United States is probably um, a little annoyed that you know they 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 showed. Um, some generosity and benevolence towards Iran over the last couple of years in an attempt to try to cool relations. And now we're seeing that Iran can't be trusted. So um, th- that that's, that's a broader sense. Um, but I think, you know, watching Israel and how they react to this. And Israel has every right to respond, but they also have to respond uh, in a responsible fashion. And I think that's what uh, many of their... Uh, partners in the broader community will be looking at. So let me flip something around here, Admiral. I don't want to let my imagination get the best of me. I have this chess game going on in my head, this geopolitical chess games going on all the time. Um, what are you looking at? What is of particular interest to you of this in this developing situation? I'm, I'm looking more broadly. I'm looking at uh, some of the other global players and how they're exploiting the situation. I'm watching Russia very carefully. I'm watching um, China. Um, and when I say watching, I'm, I'm just I'm keeping, you know, a weather eye, as we would say, on that, that uh, broader uh, stuff. Because, you see, this is sadly one of those situations where um, you know, as the United States uh, becomes um, drawn into the Middle East once again, and this is a recurring um, challenge for the United States, uh, they're they're somewhat distracted from um, some of the, the broader challenges that have been emerging over the last little while. And it's not to say that uh, 
that, that anything bad um, is going to happen. But I think there's opportunity here for uh, countries to exploit um, the focus of the United States um, elsewhere, in this case on Israel, while they pursue whatever objectives they want to pursue. Okay. How fragile is global stability now? I won't call it global peace because that doesn't exist. But how fragile is global stability? Um, well, you know, I think this is this is uh, an unfortunate um, indicator of of a continually fracturing system, uh, as you and I have discussed previously. And in no way am I diminishing the significance of this. I, this is this is an incredibly uh, tragic uh, uh, series of activities that's playing out here. But um, I, I think it's part of a, a bigger problem. Um, I am pleased to see China calling for. You know, both parties to step back and a ceasefire. I mean, that is the responsible way for for China to behave. But um, you know, the Ukrainian problem is not going away. In fact, this may provide some uh, potential respite for for Putin and, and his agenda, uh, certainly as it relates to the relationship with the U.S. So, um, it it is a it is a tough place to be right now, and unfortunately. Um, there are way too many potential problems to keep an eye on simultaneously. That's my concern. And again, points to what you and I have talked about on quite a few occasions, and that is the need to properly equip, properly, uh, uh, not I won't say train, but properly equip and make sure that our Canadian armed forces are capable of doing the job they're tasked to do, and not have members of our military appealing to charities for food and housing support, which I think is a disgrace, and it's going on now. But we need to, uh, the governments, all the political parties, all the governments, need to agree on this, uh, Admiral um, Norman. This is, not a, this is not a mystery. No, it's not. And as you and I have discussed, uh, this is uh, unfortunately uh, the result of decades of um, apathy, and uh, underinvestment, and um, you know, notwithstanding the fact that uh, the last few years have probably been worse than others for, for many reasons, um, that this is a broader national issue. It is a strategic issue. It is not just um, a political issue that that's associated with any one you know party over the other. So, yeah, it's uh, I, I don't. I, I struggle with trying to imagine how we can get people to understand that we have obligations, we have responsibilities, both um, moral, ethical, and in some respects, legal obligations to, um, to, to do our part, and we're just failing to do so. And uh, we, we don't have the bench strength that we need, and, and that's a real problem. And as you mentioned, the people that we do have who are prepared to put themselves in harm's way uh, to defend uh, their fellow Canadians are, um, are suffering. Uh, they're suffering in the same way that many Canadians are suffering, but uh, the difference being that, uh, that they're, they're, they're willing to sacrifice themselves for the country that doesn't appear to understand um, the importance of the work that they have chosen to do. Yeah. 
Admiral Norman, thank you so much for the time. I'm not, I'm not nervous when I talk to you. It's just that you were an ordinary seaman standard. You got to be Vice Admiral Mark Norman. I was an ordinary seaman standard when I entered, and I was an ordinary seaman standard when I left. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, Roy, I appreciate your service to Canada. I appreciate everything you're doing to uh, keep these these uh, important topics uh, thank you, sir. top of mind. So thank you to you and your listeners. Thank you for your service. Always an honor to speak with you. Thank you. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.